0: Welcome in boys and girls to the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast, episode number 35. I am Kenny Cocker, joined by my co-host Mr. Jake Hule. How you doing today, sir? Hey,
1: I'm doing fantastic. You know, football's not the way we're about to get into a little baseball season, so everything's beautiful, man. It's fantastic right now.
0: Yeah, man, it's good to be back with another episode, a little post-Super Bowl episode as well. I know. I hope everybody enjoyed their uh Super Bowl break. Got to sit down, watch the little Super Bowl action! I think 113.1 million viewers. It's like the second most watched episode of, or I guess, television, whatever, of all time, which is crazy. Um, so shout out! Hope everybody enjoyed the Super Bowl, man.
1: That is awesome. Uh, do you know what would be first, or if you don't know? It's don't okay. Know I'm just curious. Okay. Um, i Google, Google it. it. Okay, Google it. Um, yeah. yeah, but it was it was it was a great time. Um, I'll go ahead and talk about my remarks while Kenny's on the Google machine um it was a great time super bowl is an absolutely beautiful event stucks football season is over but the good thing about being a sports fan uh, across multiple sports and uh you know at least our main atlanta team that is the best at its respective sport is uh coming into season rather quickly uh just so happens the day after the super bowl ends pitchers and catchers report spring training which is actually kind of hilarious it's a very funny thing that happens and uh it, all, it only makes it a little bit sweeter. Like uh, you know, obviously football season ends. It kind of sucks for everybody. You're like, damn, you know, no more weekends watching football. Well, day after that, you get turned on. Get to go on Twitter, see that you know guys like Ronnie and Ozzy are shot at the spring training early. Get to see videos of Max, uh, you know, out there with his cleats on. Get to hear the cleats on the sidewalks, which is a classic spring training sound. If you ever watch anything here, and the cleats run across sidewalks, only time you hear it, it's a beautiful sound to so say you know baseball season's coming around to us, and uh, yeah, it's it's pumped up. I'm I'm
0: so amped for it. Uh, number one is the series finale of M.A.S.H. in 1983. Unexpected. Unexpected.
1: Shout out M.A.S.H. Hmm. Shout out M.A.S.H. Good for them. I would not expect uh, that. All right. All right. Can you do a little quick breakdown of the Super Bowl right quick?
0: Yeah, dude. Let's hop into this thing. You want to kick it off for me? Go for it. Um, I mean, first of all, it was a great game. Um, probably try to think in recent memory. Uh, it's probably the the most exciting Super Bowl I've watched in a minute, dude. I um, mean, obviously, 2016 heartbreaker for Falcons fans. I guess that was an exciting Super Bowl for the regular consumer, but yeah. 2019 with the Chiefs, Chiefs Niners was a banger. Um, but man, this game just felt different. There's always like kind of a stigma behind the Super Bowl too. I feel like. And we always talk about football compared to baseball or basketball or even hockey where they have you know, series games. It feels like football, it's a lot easier for the lesser team to squeak out a win in a one-game appearance. You know, if you match up with a perfect game plan, perfect coaching plan, perfect play script against the team, you, you can show out with a couple of plays, kind of get the edge and win. And it almost makes it seem like we're watching a Super Bowl game thinking, man, this would be a better matchup between two other teams.
1: Yeah, so, this is not one of those times.
0: Not at all, man. These are clearly the best two teams in the NFL, in my opinion. I think you're the same way. Oh, yeah. Um, but a Great game, man. Jalen Hurts. I think if, if this game taught you anything, uh, Jalen Hurts is the real deal. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Obviously, the Chiefs won the game. The um final score was 38-35 Chiefs. It was a back-and-forth game. The Eagles got up 10 at the half. We know the Chiefs do when they're down. They always scratch claw, and fight the way back into it. Um, Chiefs come 17 points in the fourth quarter come out with a win there uh, super controversial holding call at the end of the game dude second year in a row that the go ahead score came after a holding call on third down mm. and I didn't think about it because when we watched the game it was a pretty weak call and I think a lot of people there's always an argument out there that you should call I guess let me start by saying that there's two sides of the argument, right? There's people that think it was the right call. There's people that think it was the wrong call. Was it holding? Sure. I guess it was a hold. But they didn't call it all game. And the biggest argument is, you ought to, if, if you're making the call in the fourth quarter, you need to be making it the first three quarters. So you have the crew over here that's saying it's holding. It was the right call. They should have called it. Glad they called it. And then their argument is, it was if it's a holding in the rule books, then it should be a holding on the field. I understand that, but if it's not a penalty in the first three quarters, why is it a penalty in the fourth quarter? Now oh, it's a little weird. The NFL riffs, the the riffing has been so inconsistent this season. It's kind of been a big point of emphasis for a lot of people, um, and this was just kind of the icing on the cake. I mean, it is what it is, I guess, but the Chiefs were going to score there anyways, but it would have been super exciting to see the Eagles get the ball back with a minute and a half and you know, be able to tie the game up or go for the win.
1: Yeah, um, and I think James Bradbury actually said that in his interview. A lot of the headlines you see right now is just, you know, it's just saying a pretty, like, you know, bland quote of, oh, yeah, I did hold him. But I think, you know, actually in his interview, he went a little bit deeper. He did say that he, he did hold him a little bit, but as the game went on, you know, the first three quarters, that that was not really a call that was being made. Even the majority of the fourth quarter was not being a call that was being made. We did not see one defensive holding or one defensive pass interference throughout the entire game until that point, I believe. So, you know, just to see it get efficient. And, and honestly, he had a quite blatant uh holding on uh, Juju Smith or a defensive pass interference on uh, Juju Smith way earlier on in the game on a uh, route right across the middle. So, and they let it play through. So I think everybody kind of had the mindset. They're just out here playing. The refs are going to let these guys play the game, especially in a season like this it has been so ridiculed with so many penalties that people have been, It's almost been kind of ridiculous and uh, yeah, it, it does kind of suck. Um You know, Pat McAfee, we, we listened to his show, obviously I'm sure a lot of people do. Um He talked about it too. I think he's on the side that I'm kind of leaning on too. If you're, you know, if, if you call that penalty throughout the game and, and you know, defenders know that they have to you know play a little bit lighter can't really go as physical as they want to then i'm sure that you know bradbury probably plays that a little bit differently but you know the game was played physically throughout the whole entire game so um i i think they just caught him at a bad moment and it also doesn't help too that the throw was like i, I think that if juju ran a route and didn't even get touched i don't even think he gets the ball so that kind of also makes fans you know kind of second guess things but uh
0: It was almost like it it was like one of those Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers where they see a little tug and they throw the ball over there to draw attention to it and hope to get a flag like it wasn't really a throw that was trying to be completed
1: yeah it it, it was it was all strategic and uh yeah it was it was kind of messy um I, I will agree with you this was one of the most exciting Super Bowls I have ever watched as a fan it was it was beautiful throughout the game um Patrick Mahomes was an absolute masterpiece of efficiency he did you know didn't make any mistakes. I'm not going to say that he was absolutely insane this game. Um, he was just damn near like perfect. Like he wasn't like he, he is not one of his typical Patrick Mahomes games where he's going to like you know surprise the world and do all these crazy things. He was just perfect throwing the ball. He did have a lot of help in the run game. Isaiah Pacheco has proven himself an absolute stud, man. I think he gained a whole lot of fans this week. Um, Kelsey did his thing on the offensive side of the ball, and that offensive line. What a game! You cannot play a better game than that. I will say this though. Everybody talked about how beautiful this field was, how it was all painted. You know, the field was terrible. I went back and watched some film, and Chiefs offensive line did play a very good game. Defensive edge rushers could not get an edge to save their life. If they got around the tackle, they were hitting the ground. There was no way around it. They, they, there was no way of working the outside and trying to get any type of leverage. So I think that did play a, a good part in this game. I do think that that helped that Chief, Chiefs offensive line a good bit. I know that they do have to backpedal and do have to block. But they're a lot more squared up than what an edge rusher is, you know, coming in. And, uh, yeah, that, I think that was a pretty big impact right there.
0: Yeah, in both ways, too, right? I mean, the Eagles obviously have, you know, one of the best offensive lines of all time, if not the <laughs> best. But the Eagles led the league in sacks. The Chiefs were number two. Like, you know, sack nation's what they call that D-line with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, George Karloftis. They got, what's his name, Derek Nadi or whatever. Like, they got a stud defensive line, too, and only one sack recorded in the game. It was by the Chiefs, and it was kind of like a ran Jalen Hurts out of bounds sack, too. So, like, neither D-line was able to generate any pressure. And I think that had a lot to do with this playing surface, man. And I heard an interesting thing, too. Actually, I didn't listen to the full show, but I tuned in a little bit because, uh, you know, uh, shout out Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey on the, the New Heights podcast that they have, number one sports podcast in the world right now, other than Peach State Tailgate. Um <laughs> They came out, they were talking about it and and, and kind of had an interesting perspective. And I thought it was kind of funny. But uh, Jason Kelsey and Travis both said that they kind of like when the field isn't in perfect conditions because it just makes it harder for guys to cover you. And I was like, I guess that does kind of make sense. And Jason Kelsey was like, look, when I'm matched up man on man with Chris Jones, I want him slipping and sliding everywhere he could possibly go. And that was kind of the story for this entire game, dude, because th- these guys could not get any grip. And um, I think an interesting thing they pointed out was when you have a field that has been there for all year, like a normal playing service, like the Cardinals normal field, the grass has grown up. And they went into like scientific detail. And I'm not a grass expert, but they said when a field has grown long over time, it, It's not about just the finish of the grass on top. It's the actual root structure of the grass at the bottom where your cleats actually dig into. And with this being a newer field, it looked nice and beautiful and manicured, but the grass wasn't near as strong as a normal field that they would play on every single week.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I feel feel like I didn't really notice it too much, you know, throughout the game when I was just watching it casually. Um, I did, you know, we did hear the news of a couple guys were going in, changing their spikes out, going a little bit bigger, to try to get a little bit more grip. But, um... Yeah, after after going back and watching some stuff that I've seen people post on Twitter, it was so funny because was one time where Hassan Redick was coming off the edge, and then I don't remember who was on the other side. Other side. They both went around and they both hit the edge, and they both fell at the exact same time, like mirror image, like. <laughs> so that that was that was uh that was pretty hilarious. Um, I did, I gave a little breakdown of the Chiefs talking about Patrick Holmes, but let me talk about the best player in this football game. The best player in this football game was Jalen Hurts. There's no doubt about it. Jalen Hurts did damn near about everything you can do to win this game, besides one thing the fumble six. The fumble six was 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 pretty bad in this game. Um, I, I'm not going to say it was super crucial because at that point early on in the game, you kind of felt like, oh, damn, you know, Philadelphia had momentum and then they lost momentum. And then they came right back and stormed back and got 10 points unanswered and kind of gained that momentum right back. Uh, so I don't think that was like super crucial. Obviously, the end score seven more points does, you know, make the game. And uh, Kadarius Tony, Kadarius Tony's punt return, man. If you look at the base stats of this game, you just look at the you know total yards and you know time of possession, all that stuff, Philadelphia wins this game nine out of ten times. But because Kansas City had a couple plays like that to go their way, um, that that obviously changed the final impact of this game and changed the score.
0: So hey. Dude and, and another shout out to the Pat McAfee show, but they have uh, Chuck Pagano on there, former head coach in the NFL. Um one thing that he said headed into this game and I thought man, it was crazy to think about. But and it was Sean Payton, too. They had Sean Payton on the show. Shout-out Sean Payton, uh, Denver Broncos' new head coach. Sean Payton was on the show when they were at the Super Bowl, and he said that the game was going to come down to special teams and that upon film review for him, the Eagles and Chiefs – so I think the Eagles were the – They were t- no, the Eagles and Chiefs were tied for the number one offense in the NFL in total yards. They had the exact same amount of total yards throughout the entire season, which is crazy. And the Chiefs, I think, were the point, the number one point scoring offense in the NFL, I want to say. So you could kind of say the offense was a wash. Defense, the Eagles um, were one of the best defenses in the NFL, but the Chiefs were right there in sacks. So you could give the Eagles the advantage on defense. But one thing that he said that was going to be the kicker was special teams and that the Eagles special teams unit was horrible and that the Chiefs special teams unit was great all year, like top two, top three special teams unit. They bring a guy like Kadarius Toney, and it ends up being special teams is what really turned the tide and gave the Chiefs some momentum. Shout-out Sean to Payton. Turns out this guy knows what he's talking about.
1: Yeah, definitely. And Kadarius Tony's a guy, man. SEC fans know this kid is electric. This kid has all the talent in the world if he can just stay on a football field. Um, We didn't really see him do too much as a wide receiver in this game. We didn't really see him too much on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think he did score a touchdown. Am I wrong on that? I think he... He did end up scoring a five-yard reception touchdown. It was only target of his game. Um, but, man, whenever he gets the ball in open field and he can move, be careful. because This guy can pretty much work anybody out of their cleats, and he has legit speed. Like, this guy is, you know, if McCole Hartman leaves next year and he, he takes his talent somewhere else, they have another guy to step up and, and – I'm just going to say this now. This guy is probably a better football player. And I love McCall. I'm a Georgia fan. Kadaris Tony, pure
0: talent-wise, is probably a better football player. Right. I agree with you. And I think a uh, big thing for the Chiefs, too, is going to be the wide receiver core as a whole. Um, I want to say NBS signed a two-year deal, so he'll be back. He was kind of a staple in that offense. Juju is a free agent. Um, I think Juju wants to come back. He said he wants to come back to Kansas City. He was a great player, you know, who's, you know, I want to say just shy of a thousand yards this year. Mm-hmm. So he was in it, you know, missed some significant time due to injury. So he was huge for the chiefs this year, you know, taking a, a big step forward in that receiving core that loses Tyree kill. Um, but I think my big kicker for this chiefs team headed into the off season is offensive line. Um, because I'll tell you right now, man, Orlando Brown is going to get a ridiculous bag this off season. Yeah, he's going to get paid. And, um, you know, the, the 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 culture of the Kansas City Chiefs is amazing, and, and they do a really good job of keeping players there and keeping players happy. Um, but I think if you're looking at where you're going to spend your money, you know, paying, you know, Juju, up, you know, not, not probably a huge deal, but some kind of, you know, upper echelon contract in terms of annual value or bringing a top five left tackle in the NFL back on a multi-year deal, it's probably going to go to the left tackle. I um, mean, anytime – you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. It kind of gives you the easy out to say he's going to make whatever we put in there great. Um, and they draft a guy like Sky Moore and then bring in Kadarius Tony. Like this receiving core is going to be fine. So I'm just kind of curious to see how they handle that situation. I don't know what their cap room looks like, but you know Brett Veach is probably the best GM in the NFL. So I'm sure he'll make something happen. Yeah,
1: they'll figure stuff out. I mean, NBS was in the conversation for their best pure wide receiver, like guy that actually plays the wide receiver position. He had one target with no catches and won a Super Bowl. So. I mean, I, this Kansas City team's going to figure something out. Um and you know, we've seen we've seen how the NFL draft has worked with wide receivers in, you know, you know, most recent years. Um it, it's not that hard to find a wide receiver that can play at the next level. Um most of these guys nowadays from the college level to the NFL level are coming right in and you know, thousand yard season first year um you know, superstars. Guys that are inserting their names in the top 15, top 20 year one. Um, we've seen guys like Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave, all those guys I would say have probably inserted themselves into that category. So, uh, yeah, I I, I agree with you. I don't think that they're going to be super interested in Juju unless Juju will give a discount, which I would not be surprised by one bit. I, I would not be surprised to see him sign another one-year deal with Kansas City and try to, you know, keep on stacking up rings. Because, you know, Juju, as much hell as everybody gives him, I, I do see him as I – think, I think he's probably a pretty cool guy. Like, I think he's a yeah. – you know, it seems like a pretty good team guy, so – Um, I do like that. You're completely 100% right. Orlando Brown's 100 times more important than Juju Smith-Schuster is for this football team. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to kind of take us to the other side of the field with uh, Philadelphia. And I'm not going to point out one position. I'm just going to say the whole field. Um, This team is losing so much in free agency. And they are losing both their coaches, um, offensive and defensive coordinators. Um, So, yeah, things are about to get very interesting. Uh, I want to say their OC went to Arizona and their DC went to, you might be helping out with this. Oh, Uh, I think. Colts, that's right. Yep. So they lost both their coordinators in like one day. <laughs> they a lot of their defenders, a lot of defenders are free agents. Um, so yeah, this 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 Philly team does have some work to do. Um, and you know the big question is, you're a year out from having to sign your quarterback to an extension. So money's gonna be money's gonna be a little bit tight. But they'll figure something out, man. Sirianni is a good coach. He'll get his guys in, and
0: they'll figure some stuff out. Sirianni is a stud. They'll be fine. They may have to go through a couple. Um, I don't want to say rebuilding years, but retooling years. Um, And they might not, you know, I think the biggest question for this team is the, the age, you know, this is one of the older rosters in the NFL in terms of, you know, average age. So you got guys like Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, obviously Jason Kelsey that have all hinted at retirement. Um, So I'm kind of curious to see what those guys decide to do in the off season. Um, And, you know, things like that can kind of be dependent on what your kind of game plan is from a organization perspective. If this, team is pretty adamant on remaining an immediate contender, keeping these guys around and making another push for things. That's kind of a little extra incentive to, ah, I'm going to stick around for one, two more years. Mm-hmm. So right, we'll kind of see what the vibe is a little bit closer to March when uh, when these talks heat up. Because I think the uh, ooh, there's a big deadline coming, like March 15th, I want to say. Um, so that's usually about when you start seeing what these teams, what direction these teams are going to head in.
1: Yeah. Um hopefully they can get a little bit of Tampa love like Tampa did for a little bit. Get to bring some of these older guys back. Um, you know, talk about guys like CJGJ, um, James Bradbury. I think Javon Hargrave is also one of those guys that's in the free agency. Um see if you can get a couple of those guys back on a little bit team friendly deals. Um yeah, it's it's gonna be an interesting offseason for sure for a lot of teams out there. Um I'm a Falcons fan and I was sitting here watching some of these Eagles players thinking, okay, I think that, Y'all are top-tier suitors to be in Atlanta Falcons uniform next year, a.k.a. CJ, GJ, and uh, James Bradbury. <laughs> um, I think those are two guys the Falcons are going to target pretty heavily this offseason. It's like our big offseason acquisitions. So um, just kind of keep your eyes on it. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. And I do want to say, upon further review, because I that freaking holding call on Logan Wilson slipped my mind, dude. I completely forgot that that was even a thing from last year's Super Bowl. That might be the worst call I've seen in a Super Bowl. Hey.
1: And it it just seems like they come out at the most like worst times. like It's like, oh yeah, it's a nice clean game. We're playing ball right now, then all of a sudden, boom, crucial crucial holding call so late. Like, come on, guys.
0: Let, Let them play. the players play.
1: Let the players play. Come on, guys.
0: But yeah, man, absolute banger of a game. Super exciting. Uh, congratulations to the Chiefs, man. See, they're doing their uh, Super Bowl parade. It was all day today. Saw so Pat Mahomes out there wearing a WWE championship belt wearing ski goggles and shotgun coolers, Lights on the float about to fall over he was so drunk so uh I can't imagine how much fun they're having right now
1: it's a perfect way to end football season you end out with a couple brewskis kill kill the vibe you know go out there and just just vibe out man and uh yeah that's pretty much what we're doing too um we, we will definitely be talking about football come out the offseason but uh it will no, no longer be a super you know super duper prevalent thing we will have some Football-focused episodes coming up, though. You know, obviously, you know, some, you know, recruiting stuff. Um, I do think we have the late signing period, you know, right around the corner, too. Um, along with the NFL draft. Me and Kenny, we usually do uh, our mock drafts with each other. We'll kind of send each other lists. This year, we're going to do it a little bit differently since we do a podcast, I feel like. I think we might actually do I I haven't really talked to you about this yet, Kenny. But how about, you know, maybe get closer to draft time. One week we spend on your mock draft, all 32. And then next week we'll spend on my mock draft or vice versa, you know. Get a little oh, yeah. Kenny episode with his mock draft, and the next week we'll do my episode. Or we could do a two-episode week. That would probably work a lot better. So you don't release your mock draft, and then somebody comes out with a heart condition, and then all of a sudden I release mine, and I seem a lot smarter. So, <laughs> so we'll do a back-to-back, so back-to-back days. We'll do back-to-back That's, day episodes. I like that. Um, this sounds like a blast. Okay, perfect. Uh, but yeah, we'll definitely be doing some football talk. But as of right now, Kenny, I think all the minds are on the same thing. I was talking about it earlier. Um, start hearing them the metal the metal spikes on the concrete. You know spring training's here. Um, start seeing the Braves post pictures of Matt Olson looking swagged out with his with his aviator sunglasses on, walking with his street clothes. Ronnie wearing his all red Nike jumpsuit. Dude, the boys are ready. The boys are back and rolling. We have a fun one today, guys. Me and Kenny are going to give our full roster breakdown, position by position, and tell you guys what we think. All these guys are going to do. So let's go. Baby. It's gonna be awesome, man. I have been waiting for this. It's been months since we've been able to talk about Braves baseball, and it is almost here. We are, I believe, six weeks exactly. I don't know if I, I don't know if that's the right number. Um, we are about six weeks away from opening day. Um, I, I, the only reason I have, I think it's six weeks, is because I saw somebody tweet and say that whenever you get a Jacob DeGrom is injured report, that's how you know you are six weeks away from, from opening day. Um, so <laughs> I'm just going to believe that person that tweeted that. No shout outs, because I don't know what your name was, honestly. But man, we are almost here. So we have a lot of things to cover. Um, you just want to go ahead and break on into it, Kenny?
0: Dive nah, into it, man. I'm so pumped.
1: Where should we start? I would think about starting with pitching, working our way to catching, working our way to infield, working our way to the outfield. Or we could do outfield, then infield, one way or another. Whatever you want to do. I'm down. All right, let's start with pitching. Let's go ahead and get the, uh, I'm not going to say boring one out of the way talk about the bullpen a little bit um i'm gonna mention some guys that could play impacts in this bullpen and uh i'm gonna, I'm gonna try to try to I, I don't really have like a list made out in front of me i just looking at the roster and i'm gonna try to kind of like start from the least eventful guys to like the most eventful guys so we're not like we're kind of finished off with a bang you know so the first guy that i'm going to start with in this bullpen that could make an impact in this brace bullpen is jackson stevens Um, a guy that we saw last year in alabama native Guy that was walking to the dugout they're asked, during college football season right at the beginning. They're asking who he had was going to win the national championship. And he said, Alabama, roll tide. Maybe lose a little bit of fandom for him. But, hey, we still love Jackson Atlanta. Guy that, you know, we did DFA earlier in the year whenever we brought in uh Mr. Do-do-do-do, Dennis Santana. And we brought him back. He's here to run it
0: out. And I, I can't wait to watch him, man. He's he's a solid guy. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think for me, a guy that I'm looking at is um Dennis Santana. And you just brought us into Dennis Santana right there. I'm actually super excited about Dennis Santana, man. One thing about this Braves bullpen that we've talked about a couple times in this podcast is how weak we are in the left-handed position, or the left-handed pitching position, I guess you could say, however you want to say that. Um, Dennis Santana is not a lefty. He is a righty. So, uh, a guy like this coming in there, um, we have some pretty stud righties, I want to say. And I'll put a little caveat, a little asterisk next to the righty, because not a not 100% sure on what we're going to get from Mr. Kirby Yates. Um Super exciting signing for the Braves. Was so pumped to see Kirby step up on the bump for this Braves team coming out of the bullpen, and he was bad. Um, but it's Kirby Yates nonetheless, and Dennis Santana, I think, in similar fashion is another guy that I have very, very high hopes for. Um, and, uh, yeah, in a true AA fashion, we're able to not give up much and then get back exactly what we lost. So um, we, uh, like you said, DFA Jackson Stevens bringing a guy back. It, like that is going to be very, very huge for us. But, man, Dennis Santana, man, I am pumped for this dude. I think every time I've seen him pitch, he's never been a guy that's just going to light you up on the stat board when you're looking at him. But I think what he brings to a team is so instrumental to a bullpen, especially in just a, a depth position. And seeing a new face in the Braves bullpen like that is uh, pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, Um. and, and you know, you talk about Dennis Santana as a guy that – um. You know, he, he kind of seems like a project piece to me. I, and I'm not saying that because, you know, I feel very young. Yes, very young. Um, and like you mentioned, stats have not quite popped off the board of people so far through his young major league career. But there's something about this Braves team that can develop guys. They can bring guys to Atlanta and they can turn them into something. Uh, talk about Jackson Stevens like I just did. Jesse Chavez, a guy that's been, you know, his only successes came to Atlanta in the later years of his career. Um, we find a way to find things in people. And I expect nothing less with Dennis Santana. This bullpen is, you know, star-studded. This bullpen is one of the top bullpens in baseball. And I do fully expect Dennis Santana to make pretty big impacts on that. Um, I I I think um, you know, his pitch mix, he does have the upside to be a potential guy that could pitch, you know, you know, the back half of games if it's time to rest, other guys we're gonna mention a little bit later, guys that you're used to seeing pitch in the back half of games. So yeah, I, I'm also excited about Dennis Santana. I think he's gonna bring a real, you know positivity to this brace team i almost have him as a lock in this brace bullpen too i think he's gonna be there day one for sure
0: i agree and a thing i like about dennis santana is i mentioned he's a righty pitcher he pitches to both handed batters very well this is a guy that i look at um, his splits against lefties last year in 2022 alone 22 innings pitched 18 strikeouts a 208 opponent batting average um those are pretty good numbers from a bullpen guy
1: oh yeah definitely um let's let's take it to kirby yates because you mentioned it a little bit earlier kirby yates is a guy that was coming off tommy john surgery when we first signed his deal with atlanta he signed a two-year deal the first year was really really cheap just because we we knew we weren't going to get much of him and that was exactly what happened he missed a good bit of the season um came back to not look great but now hopefully with the full offseason season of you know recovering and you know getting to 100 percent we can get the kirby yates of old um Obviously anybody that has watched the game of baseball over the past five years knows that Kirby Yates, when healthy, is a top five relief pitcher in baseball. But Tommy John surgery can be hell. And uh that, that that's my one question mark with him. Now, if he gets, you know, even to 75% of his old self, he is still a very, very good relief pitcher. So let's just hope for that. I'm not gonna say I think it's gonna happen because what we saw last year. I just don't didn't see much upside with his with his pitch mix, you know, his his velocity, none of that stuff last year. But he's never really been that type of guy. So We'll see. Um, He's never been a super, like, 99-mile-per-hour fastball guy. He's always kind of sat around 94. So, um, I, I'm really curious to watch Kirby
0: pitch this coming up season. Yeah, dude. It was just – he didn't pitch much. I think six innings pitched last year for the Braves. So, we didn't really get to see too much, and we're judging him pretty heavily off those six innings. Yeah. <laughs> but – the, n- the numbers were just not good. But, you know, you kind of throw that out the window with a guy like Kirby Yates and you take that with a grain of salt and think about what he's done over a course of a career. And he's been one of the better um, relief pitchers in the MLB for many, many years. I mean, this dude's 35 years old. He's been around the block a time or two. He knows what he's doing. So anytime you bring in a, a experienced guy like Kirby Yates, we just mentioned the, the, the depth with the uh, young guys like Dennis Santana, Jackson Stevens. You know, really everywhere else in the bullpen aside from a couple guys is super young. So, um I, I'm pumped to see Kirby, man. I'm not out on him and uh I think he'll definitely write the ship.
1: Oh yeah. Uh for sure. Um I'm gonna take us to our next guy. Um let's go Jesse Chavez, a guy that's not actually on the forty man roster right now, but he is a non roster invitee, and it would surprise absolutely zero percent of Braves fans if he made the opening day roster. Um <laughs> uh, I not believe enough. that we have the 40 man roster is currently full right now, but um, you have not; they have not added guys to the 60 day 60 do- day IL, and that includes Hoskar Enoa, who will be added at some point, and Tyler Matzik, who will be added at some point because they are both recovering from Tommy John surgery. So there will be two spots open up, and I would not be surprised one bit if Jesse Chavez is one of the guys that take it.
0: I don't have anything to add to that, man. I love Jesse Chavez, and whenever he is playing for the Atlanta Braves, it just seems like the morale is at an all time high. This is. I'm not going to call him the the heredia of the bullpen, but uh, anytime this dude is involved with the Braves on a major league level, it seems like the boys are absolutely buzzing. You see him out there with the specs on, with the, with the nice little trimmed-out Oakley glasses out there on the mound, and you know he's about to come out there and absolutely stuff. So I absolutely I love Jesse Chavez, man. Total strikeout machine. <laughs> 69 innings pitched last year, 74 strikeouts. Dog.
1: He's an absolute machine, man. I'm sorry. I was taking a drink of my water. I had to recover after, after your, your Jesse Chavez talk. But I'm I'm going to tell you the funniest thing for Braves fans. Because you'll be watching a close game, and then you'll start seeing – I know every Braves fan does this. You'll see Jesse Chavez start trotting out, and you're like, good God, here we go. And then his stats, his season stats pop up on the board, and it's like a 2.02 ERA. <laughs> and you're like, okay – hold up and you're still not super excited then he goes out there and gets three outs and like nine pitches You're like, okay that was that wasn't that bad like okay we, we made it like we're we're okay so <laughs> um he does it consistently like he he's a guy i know we always make the joke like yeah snit will snit will pitch aj mentor in a you know seven run blowout loss and then next night he's pitching jesse chavez in the seventh inning but jesse chavez is a guy that anytime you bring him into a game you feel comfortable with him um i think that his you know his only knack is that he does, you know, allow a good bit of contact. But hey, he, he makes it work, so hey, can't blame him.
0: Oh, and he, he's always swagged out. He looks like a fourteen-year-old travel ball baseball player, but thirty-nine years old um, out there, dripped out with the with the sleeves, with the with the specs on. I mean, you just you gotta love what this guy brings to a team, man.
1: You have to. <laughs>
0: All right, next guy. Um,
1: Lucas Lucky. Um, a, a new addition, a guy that uh, actually was DFA'd by the Yankees, and we had brought him in. Um, A guy that Darren O'Day vouched for to Alex Anthopoulos to bring him in. A older lefty who was away from baseball for about five years and then came back. I don't know if five years is the right, correct number. He was away from baseball for a little bit. Came back and has put up stellar numbers with the Yankees. Seeing him get DFA'd was honestly very surprising. This is a guy that not a lot of people know about. This is a guy that consistently puts up an ERA below three. Um not a really dominant pitcher more of an off-speed guy doesn't throw hard but he's had success in the major league level since he's came back with the yankees so ha- having him in atlanta as another really really good lefty um can't complain about that um low low level move to bring him in so if he doesn't work out he just
0: doesn't work out
1: there's no risk here um
0: I- i'm i'm excited to see lucky in the bullpen yeah this is the guy that i called uh lucas Latouge for about uh three weeks until I read his name and realized that there is not a U in there um, towards the end of it. So shout out, Lucas Lucky.
1: Latouge!
0: Um, I, I apologize. Um, I figured that out, I don't know, a couple, about a month ago, whenever the whenever the signing happened and we got to talking about it, and I think you said it, and I was just like, hmm, okay, well, there's that. Um, one thing that I saw from this guy when I dove into him a little bit is he will get hit around a little bit, but he does not ever get hit hard. No. Ever. Um, which you love to see. I mean, there's nothing like seeing a guy come in the bullpen or come out of the bullpen and give up a three-run blast. So, uh, you know, bringing in a guy like this. I mean, and you look at his splits, too. I'm actually looking at him right now. This is a lefty pitcher, um, and he's pretty much even across the board against righties and lefties, man. He, he pitches good against both sides, but he doesn't get hit hard, like I just said. I mean, four home runs and 57 innings pitched last year. From a reliever is pretty solid, so yeah. Um, pump to see what this guy can do. Another older guy, but um, you know, somebody that can come in, bring some experience to this Braves bullpen. Super young Braves bullpen. Yeah, uh, he is
1: also an older guy that has, I think, he has a couple more years of uh, team control as well. So he's a guy that you want to keep around even after the year. You have that luxury, so that, that's also a nice thing. Um, that brings me into our next guy, and uh, we're kind of working our way into like these the, the the better guys in the bullpen. Um, we're gonna talk about Dylan Lee. A guy that kind of popped onto the scene started a World Series game two years ago, um, or I guess what was that? Was that was that two years ago? Yeah, started a yeah World Series game two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Damn, it's a crazy thing. It was It's already been two years since the Braves went to the World Series. Um, yeah, started World Series uh, game two years ago. Nobody really knew much about him. Then kind of came out last year and proved to be one of the better bullpen arms in this bullpen. Um, dude was nails. Um, one of the better lefties in baseball at the bullpen uh real real young guy um still have a lot of potential i'm really curious to see if he can meet last year's numbers um i for no reason am i saying this like i don't have any evidence to back it up but it did seem a little bit fluky just because a guy like dylan lee had so much success coming up it's not like your aj mentor where you kind of expect it day one but hey if he can keep it going and keep it rolling man he's going to be awesome man and
0: dylan lee is a stud dude i love dylan lee um, I talk a lot about splits on here because it's just one of the things I look at you know, predominantly with bullpen guys. But this is a lefty pitcher that is untouchable by lefty batters. Yeah. Um, 158 opponent batting average last year against lefties. Uh, 21 innings pitch, 25 strikeouts, and two earned runs. Um, and when he does get hit, he doesn't get hit hard. This is another guy like that. Five home runs and 60 innings last year is nuts. Um, he doesn't walk guys either.
1: I believe it he's he's a, he's so, a control master,
0: no, I love Dylan Lee, another you know Dylan Lee's one of those guys where when you look at him, you think he's like twenty four years old, and then you see the age pop up, and he's like what is he twenty nine and it's like, "What the hell
1: yeah he's he's an interesting case um yeah he's twenty eight years old, so i yeah, honestly you would not expect that. And uh, as I'm going now, I did forget one person. We're kind of going to kind of work our way back down a little bit, the tears. Man, this is, I'm not really saying back down to, re, to disrespect this man, but this is a guy that sounded like a $1 million deal. Um, Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson is a former Tampa Bay reliever. Um, Honestly, thought he was a lot more experienced than what he is. He's only been in the big leagues for about three years now. He is on the older side. Nick Anderson is 32 years old. He made his debut back in 2019. Um, For some reason in my head, I was sitting here thinking Nick Anderson was like a five-year dominant reliever with Tampa Bay. And really, he's only pitched basically a season and a half there. Um, But throughout his career, you know, he has pitched uh, 93 games, has a 2.89 ERA, um, has struck out, where's the strikeout numbers, 137 guys in 87 innings. So strikeout numbers are crazy. And I mean, he's only walked 23 guys in that same amount of innings. So this is a guy that, you know, keeps the ball in the zone, like strikes out a ton of guys um he is coming off of an injury from last year which is intriguing but if he can get anything back to what his Tampa Bay things were good god this guy is going to be awesome like he's going to be an absolute stud people forget it feels so weird because I'm saying all these guys can be studs but I guess when you're talking about the best bullpen in Major League Baseball it's kind of natural like every person in this bullpen is going to be good
0: <laughs> well you're absolutely right uh I like Nick Anderson a lot he you are right when you look at a guy like Nick Anderson you just imagine that he's been with the Rays for seven years I mean, he's what, 30, 30, 32, 32 years old. Yeah. So uh, he's been around the block a time or two, but not a ton of majors experience, but no, I mean, coming off the injury, hopefully he'll be able to get back in there and uh, give us just kind of more of a depth piece to this bullpen. And um, no, dude, you said it right. I mean, this bullpen has been so good for like two, three years now to where anytime we see a guy strap the boots up and hop in there, you just feel like he's going to be a dog because everybody else is and one thing we always talk about you've already talked about on this episode is just the Braves as a whole have just an crazy uncanny ability to bring out the best of every single player that we have and um when you bring in a guy like Nick Anderson who is 32 years old and a guy that has played, you know, a moderate amount of major league baseball but we've seen a ton of upside from him especially, you know, a couple years back in his career it just makes you feel like if anybody's going to get the best out of this guy, it's going to be this Braves team.
1: It is crazy because we've mentioned so many names, whether it be Kirby Yates and Nick Anderson, guys that you know you see the upside with guys that have had success in recent history, um, not recent, but you know before injuries they had so much success and they have so much potential. Then you see guys like Jesse Chavez, Dylan Lee, guys that you know are nails, Jackson Stevens, you could also put in that conversation, Dennis Santana, who really you know has all the potential in the world. And there's still four guys left that I have to mention in this bullpen. That just shows the depth. And I just mentioned all those guys. I didn't mention Lucas is, is Lucky. So, I mean, this bullpen is going to be loaded. Uh, and I'm going to try to work my way down these top four, Um, starting at four to one. I must, if you have anything, you know, different you're going to say, then just, you know, shout it out. And at four, I'm going to say Colin McHugh. Um, Colin yep. McHugh is an absolute stud. Man, this is a guy that can pitch three innings one night if you need him to. He can come in in the eighth inning and shut people down. This is like your do-it-all guy in the bullpen. He kind of gives me like a little bit of like a Charlie Morton vibe for some reason. He's like, oh, reliable. Just pull him out, and he's he's going to get the job done. Um, Not a super flashy guy. Off-speed is absolutely insane. He doesn't really throw anything straight. Doesn't have a straight, you know, typical four-seam fastball. Everything has a little bit of movement to it. Um, He's a lot of fun to watch, though. Strikeout numbers are pretty good. Um, Doesn't really walk much. Did kind of get hit around a little bit to start the season last year. But,
0: man, after like the first two weeks of the season, this guy was lights out. Oh, dude. uh, It's funny you had Colin McHugh here because I was back and forth. Um, I actually had Joe Jimenez here.
1: Okay. So Uh, I think we might have switched. I think we might have had that switch.
0: But I don't fault you for that. I love Colin McHugh. I love everything about Colin McHugh every time he steps into the game. Dare I say, dude, when I see Colin McHugh step up on the bump, I don't know if there's another pitcher in this bullpen I feel more comfortable watching. I agree. I mean, it's something about Colin He's so consistent, I guess is probably what it is. And that breaking ball is absolutely filthy. It mean, it's a two-strike count. Dude freaking throws an inside-door slider in there, and it just... Oh, it's beautiful. I love watching Colin Q pitch. Um, but the consistency for me is whats is what it is with this guy. Yeah, we saw him get hit around a little bit, but for the most part, man, he's been nails. Um, pitched a ton for this Braves team last year. Um, he's been... Amazing for us. I don't ha- really have any critique to give to Colin McHugh. Um, the the only thing I could say about Colin McHugh in a negative aspect is I wish he was ten years younger so we could watch him pitch forever. Yeah. Um, but dude, like I just said, when I see him in the game for the Braves team, I just feel super comfortable, and I feel um, I feel like that's something that we've been kind of blessed with here in the past couple of years. Is we feel good about our odds with any of our guys that we tried out there. But it was McHugh. You know what you're gonna get from him, and he's so consistent. He's gonna give it to you every single appearance. And um he just keeps building trust for the fans, keeps building trust for the teams. And um I I look for Colin McHugh to get some more big game scenarios or some maybe crunch time scenarios this year, especially with the you know, Tommy John with uh Tyler Matzick coming in there, who's kind of been that guy for us in the past, you know, Tyler Nutzak. And um <laughs> I, I would love to see Colin McHugh take on kind of a larger role in this bullpen. Yeah, me too, man. Um, and I, I agree with you. Consistency
1: is so crazy. I mean, this is a guy that it just seems like, you know, when you're watching baseball um, and you see a pitcher come in, they they kind of start off the game wild. Like, you, you'll see, like, even A.J. Mitchell sometimes he'll come in, you know, throw a couple fastballs that are way off the mark. You're like, damn, I don't know what's going to happen. Nick never has that. He never has that issue. He comes in, he starts firing strikes all the way. And I think I think that's the big thing right there. And I want to mention this. This is how you know baseball season is officially here when you start describing your bullpen arms as nails. Um it, <laughs> <laughs> that is that is like the typical baseball thing so we are here it is beautiful we are back in action that was the first time i heard it all year kitty i love to hear it it was amazing hell yeah nails baby nails all right so you said joe jimenez is your four um i have joe jimenez at my three and my one reason behind this is because i think joe jimenez and i, I know you just talked about uh McHugh getting a little bit more big time situations i do think outside of a our closer who i'm going to talk about a little bit later um I, I think jimenez is going to be your main righty in key situations late late inning games um and i think he's going to be phenomenal um this is a guy um i think he's relatively young i want to say joe jimenez is what 27 years old a big dude too he's 28 years old 6'3 277 pounds absolute hoss on a mound throws hard throws strikes gets outs. um does everything well um strikeout numbers are pretty wild walk numbers are insanely low this is a guy that has walked um who walked what was it 13 batters last year in 56 innings As a guy that throws that hard and as a guy that struck out 77 guys in that same amount of time um the walk numbers are really really low um he's a guy that has pitched in the back end of bullpens for the past you know five years um even though it's been Detroit not the most key situations coming to Atlanta I don't think he's gonna have any problem adjusting to that um and I'm really excited to see him man it did seem like at the time that trade package was a little bit crazy but I do see what the Braves are thinking we're in win-now mode. Um, Justin Henry Malloy is a guy that could come up, you know, this year. And he could struggle and just not even be on the team anymore. Um, this is a guy that does help you win this year. So I, I'm really excited to see Joe Jimenez. I think the numbers are going to go way down this year with Atlanta.
0: I went on a little bit of a deep dive with Joe Jimenez um, whenever we signed him. Just kind of curious to see what he's been doing the past few years. And I found kind of an anomaly with the 2021 season that was kind of crazy. Um so one thing about Joe Jimenez, and you just mentioned it, with the walk numbers are insanely low, is he just doesn't walk guys. It's mm-hmm. been a consistent part of his game since since he was, you know, a major league pitcher. Like he has never struggled to find the strike zone and never struggled to strike out guys. And then all of a sudden in 2021, he comes out and walks 35 batters and 40 45 some minutes. odd innings. Which is crazy. That's like where where did that come from? And then you look at what he did last year and just regressed right back to where he was before that. And you just mentioned it with the crazy walk numbers. Um, you saw him. Um, th- this is kind of the opposite of some other guys we've talked about. To where Joe Jimenez doesn't really get hit around much. When he does, yeah. it's typically hard. Um, but you know, you you kind of pick your battles with these guys, man. This is a a power. Style pitcher that's going to come out there and throw pitches by you, um, strikes out a ton of guys, doesn't walk a ton of guys, and uh, you know he'll he'll give up a hard hit every now and then. But uh, 206 opponent batting average last year against righties for a um, for a right-handed pitcher and Joe Jimenez. I mean that's crazy. So it it really does feel like we're a broken record because every time we talk about the guys in the Braves bullpen, we talk about how good they're going to be. But dude, I just I've got so much faith in AA to bring the right guys into the situation. And I've got so much faith in this bullpen. I don't care if you put whoever out there, man, like when he straps up a Braves uniform and Alex Anthopoulos thinks he's the guy for the bullpen. I'm going to feel good about it.
1: No, I agree. I agree. And uh, I, I looked at Sonora's too, when we first got him, and I saw that, you know, last year was really kind of a bad luck year for him. And even a guy that had a 3.49 ERA, it's kind of crazy. because That's not bad at all. Um, yep. I mean, the guy had a 328, uh opponent batting average on balls in play, which kind of, you know, shows some bad luck right there. Typically, you want to see that number sitting around, like, the 270s. Um, so, he can get that number back down to what it was the year prior um, with the same success he had last year. Um, he'll have a lot of success. He's also got, does not allow the home run ball. .64 home runs per nine. Um, so, yeah, dude, Joe Jimenez is going to be awesome. Um, next guy. You can't guess who I have as my second best reliever in this Braves bullpen.
0: Gotta be Minter, yeah,
1: AJ Minter, <laughs> It was kind of anticlimactic. Um, <laughs> AJ Minter, and if he's your second best reliever in your bullpen, you are in very, very good shape because AJ Minter might be the best left-handed pitcher in best left-handed reliever in baseball. Um, I would have said Josh Hader before last year, uh, but we saw what happened last year. AJ Minter is lights out. Pitches against righties, pitches against lefties. He's your perfect eighth inning guy. Um, a lot of guys thought he was going to be the closer going into the future. We brought another guy to handle that job. AJ Mentor can stay in the job he's in now that he does phenomenally. Um, a guy that had some question marks for a while, guy that seemed like he found something and then he lost something and then he found it again, and then he lost it again, and then he found it again. But I think right now it's permanent. I don't see AJ Mentor having any type of regression. Throws hard, throws strikes, has a mean cutter. Um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see
0: AJ Minter pitch again, man.
1: He's he's a bulldog on the mound. I think that is the perfect way to describe him.
0: I love A.J. Minter. He's my favorite pitcher in this bullpen, even when fully healthy with Tyler Matic. I love you, Tyler Matzik. But A.J. Minter, gigamaggies. This dude has been an absolute beast. And ever since the COVID COVID season has just been on a different planet. Like, this dude's insane, bro. Like, last year was ridiculous. He pitched so much for this Braves team. I want to say 70-something innings pitched last year. Freaking 15 walks. He doesn't walk anybody. He doesn't give up a long ball. He's got a 132 opponent batting average versus lefties. 222 against righties. He doesn't get hit whatsoever. I mean, like what more can you ask for from a bullpen guy to not be your closer? Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. And this is
1: a guy that was a really, really high, highly ranked prospect. Not so much like nationally because reliever relievers don't get ranked highly among like prospect lists. But I mean, the Braves used a a pretty high draft pick on him. And whenever we first drafted him, he was getting comparisons. His nickname was baby Kimbrel. So I mean, he was drawing some high regards. So I'm really excited. I'm really happy to see that he met those expectations. And
0: uh, I, I fully expect him to continue. I agree 100%. Dude. AJ Mentor, he's just he's incredible. Watching him pitch is amazing. Now, he's another guy like Colin, Colin McHugh, to where when he steps in the game, you just know that he's going to deal. You don't have to worry about anything else because you know that AJ Minter is going to be solid. You can kind of take that stress out of your life and worry about what you're going to have for dinner in a little bit. Like, love AJ Mentor. All right.
1: Let's take it to a top five closer in baseball, maybe a top three closer in baseball, maybe a top two closer in baseball. I'm not going to say one because I think one still probably plays in our division and uh, plays for a different team. But we're going to talk about this positively. And I don't know because if you look at his numbers last year with the with Atlanta, um, a .34 ERA. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's right, saw Iglesias. Um, this guy is an absolute stud. He has been one of the top closers in baseball for years now. Um, came into the league in 2015. So far in his career, he's had two seasons with an ERA above three. Um, other than that, he's always been below three. And guy that strikes out a ton of guys, doesn't really walk, man. He's not really going to light up the, Uh, you know, before he came to Atlanta, I, I did watch him a couple times. Um, I had played with him in MLB show, and for some reason, his cards light up like 98, 99 mile per hour fastball. That's not really his game in real life. Um, He he doesn't really throw that hard. He's, he's more of like a 96, 95 type guy. You can't can't hit, you know, the upper 90s, but he doesn't really stick around there. Um, But yeah, this guy just gets outs, man. Um, Going from having Jansen to Rysel Iglesias, I think a lot of Braves fans are going to come to appreciate that a lot in this closer spot. And that's no disrespect to Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen was awesome last year with the Braves overall. I mean, he had a couple of little down spurts last year, but Kenley was always a hard attack. Kenley was a guy that did not strike out many guys, you know, struggled to find the strike zone at times, get a lot of hard contact where Iglesias is completely different. This guy will strike out, guys, has a sweeping slider, one of the better sliders in the game, um, weird arm angle that he delivers from. Um, it's so funny seeing him in Atlanta uniform because you you just pay attention from the outside world. You look at this guy, you're like, oh, this guy's like 6'6", 190 pounds, and he comes to Atlanta, and you're like, dude, this guy's not that tall. He's two. <laughs> oh, he throws 95?
0: Dude, what? <laughs> dude, that's so true about Iglesias because I think there's such a misconception about him that this guy just steps out there and throws 102, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then you watch a pitch, and he's like 95, 96, 97, 98 every now and then. But this dude isn't just throwing heat by you no. every single pitch. And I don't know why that's such a misconception about right now. He be the show. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. But like like when we signed him, I was like, oh, yeah, awesome. 100-mile-an-hour bullpen arm. And then I started looking at his numbers, and I'm like, what? Excuse me? Why is, why is this guy not what I'm thinking about? And you're right. No disrespect to Kenley Jameson, I mean. Kenley Jansen is the top 10 closer in the history of baseball. Yes. Like, it's not, <laughs> no, question. Really much, no question. We no question. We, we can't really do much to discredit Kenley Jansen because he's an absolute dog. But you're right. I mean, he did get kind of smacked around last year. He was a total heart attack. And it got to the point where when Kenley Jansen was in the game, we were like, oh, my gosh. Here yeah, we go again. I,
1: yes, exactly. <laughs> and he didn't yeah, say that the Dodgers yeah. the year prior. It's, it's funny. Kenley kind of has it, a He always has like a two week span during the season where you're like, is he actually going to keep a closing job? And then he goes right back to normal.
0: But no, dude. I mean, there's literally nothing bad I can say against Rossel Iglesias. He walks nobody. Yeah. He doesn't give up home runs. He strikes out everybody he faces, and he doesn't get hit at all. Like, unicorn.
1: Unicorn. Absolute beast, man. Um, I'm kind of happy to get off the bullpen a little bit, because I feel like in our other positions, they're actually going to be able to kind of talk downly on some people, which I don't want to do as a Braves fan, but but we do have a, you know, a couple guys that have a little bit more controversy. But in this bullpen, it's either guys that we know are nails or guys that we expect to be nails. Like, there, there's no in-between. So, I mean, all the guys were bringing back had success last year. And, you know, all the guys were bringing
0: in have a lot of potential. So it's going to be exciting. Before we get a little too far ahead of ourselves, are we talking about the starting rotation next? Yes. Because I don't have too much judgment there either.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have two guys, uh, Michael Tocklin and Seth Elge, um, two lower end guys. Those are both bullpen guys you could possibly see this year. I'm not really going to go into a deep dive on them, though. It's just guys that are on the 40 man that could potentially make make a push in that bullpen at some point. Seen crazier things happen in the past. You might see a Pierce out of the two. Maybe you might get a little bit of Victor Vodnik in there at some point in the year. Brooks Wilson, those type of guys. But you know that we'll save that for whenever they actually do appear during the season. <laughs> I'm not going to give a full breakdown on those guys. But that takes us to the starting rotation. I'm going to try to work backwards again right here. Um
0: hey, hold on. Let's work from the top. Because I think the fifth spot here is the talking point of the year.
1: Okay. okay. Work from the top. Number one, Max Freed. Max Freed is top three pitcher in baseball. Undeniably a top five pitcher in baseball, in my opinion. I, I think that he has to be, you know, given that respect. Um, a guy that's not the most flashiest guy. And I think that's kind of his biggest downfall among, like, you know, national critics. He, he's not a guy that goes out there and strikes out 10 guys a game. He's not a guy that, you know, pitches eight innings a game. He's a guy that goes out there, gives you six to seven innings every night, does not walk anybody, strikes out a good bit of people. And one thing about Max Freed, nobody hits the ball hard, of, hard off this guy. He has consistently put up one of the lowest opponent uh, batter's exit velocities in baseball. Max Freed has it figured out, man. And that lollipop curve he'll throw on you with two strikes, ooh, ooh. game over.
0: Good Lord. They wa- <laughs> watching him throw that pitch, it's just like poetry.
1: He hits the upper inside corner against oh. lefties. Oh, my God. Lefties are backing up out, out the box. Yeah, Freed, oh my lord. He's, he's a hard guy to talk about. Like, again, kind of like in the respects of Bryce Iglesias, even, even more so, Like, what do you say negative about this guy? Like, pitching is hard to say bad things about. Like, I feel like when we get
0: to hitters, we'll kind of talk a little bit more about negative stuff, but like some of these guys are just,
1: are just too damn good.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Max Freed's been a legitimate Cy Young candidate for three consecutive seasons. Yes, yes. I'm sorry that I'm not going to talk about his game in a negative way. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing negative to say, man. He's, he's Boy, one of the most
1: consistent pitchers in baseball. Exactly. Um. So, are we done on Max already? Is that kind of our quick Max Freed breakdown? Nothing to add. All right. Uh, number two, Spencer Strider. Again, no question. Um, there we have had other guys pitch great in this in this rotation last year that we'll mention probably next. But uh, yeah, Spencer Strider's that guy. Um, unbelievable rookie year, historic rookie year. Um, broke records. A couple of them actually. Brave strikeouts in a single game, as, uh, not even as a rookie, just um, Atlanta history. Um, quickest to reach 200 strikeouts um, in innings pitch. This dude is insane. Um, I, my one question with him, I, I'm not going to say anything negative about him, but it's just longevity. If he can, you know, maintain that over a full 162 games, that's, I think that's everybody's biggest question mark about him. I have no doubt about it. This guy's in incredible shape. You see him on the mound. He's built like a tank. Um, he, he's going to go out there and hurl. Um, I do want to see how he can develop that change up a little bit more see if he did work on that a little bit in the offseason kind of develop that third pitch and bring it in it looked good in the times he did throw it last year he didn't really throw it much but whenever you have you know one of the best fastballs in baseball and a wipeout slider it it doesn't really matter nobody was hitting the stuff he was throwing so if he doesn't develop it anymore he's still going to be light sound guys this guy I think he might have a better chance to win a Cy Young the next free. as crazy as that sounds his strikeout number is going to be insane he's going to be the one that draws a lot more eyes than next does
0: well, Cy Young's all about stats, and uh, you know while Max Freed has crazy stats, you look at Spencer Strider's stats, and they just jump off the board at you. And it's really because of the strikeout numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this dude's absolutely untouchable by righties. Gave up a 100, uh, uh, 156 opponent batting average against righties last year, which is ridiculous, and 111 strikeouts in 62 innings. Like, Insane. Total alien. Um, and he's just as good against lefties. You know, 200 opponent batting average against lefties last year. He doesn't give up the long ball. Um, he struggled at times with finding the strike zone, but for the most part, he's pretty solid dude. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, when you need a big game from a Braves pitcher, Spencer Strider last year was him. And, uh, you can say the same thing about a guy I'm sure we're about to talk about right after this, but, um, Spencer Strider was absolutely incredible last year. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think if you're looking at just the stats, like if you're a box score watcher of the Braves pitchers, you're going to look at Max Freed then you're going to look at Spencer Strider and be like, geez, both of these guys are crazy. But Spencer Strider strikes out everybody and their mom. Like, this is ridiculous.
1: No, I agree. And uh, let's take this as the third guy, a guy I'm kind of excited to talk about a little bit, a guy that you know surprised a lot of people this year. That's Mr. Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright's the third best pit, best pitcher in this rotation, no doubt. Um, and I think the best thing about Kyle Wright is I think Kyle Wright kind of understands what he is now. I think that there was kind of a misconception about Kyle Wright that he was a number one, and I, I just don't think that's Kyle Wright. I think Kyle Wright is perfectly suited as as a as a solid number two, a fantastic number three, and that's exactly what he is. He's a guy that's going to go out there. He's going to pitch deep in ball games. He is going to pitch six or seven innings every night. He might be one that gives you gives gives up about three runs, two runs, but he's going to keep you in every game um absolute horse like I said no pitch limit the guy will go out there and throw 100 pitches every five days if he has to he reminds me a lot if you were and people are gonna hate this because a lot of people hate this man if you were to put prime Julio Tehran on this 2022 on this 2022-2023 Braves team it's kind of right it's, it's it's the same thing um I, I will say this Julio Tehran was the ace of the Braves for years so we're talking about a former ace being a middle of the rotation guy for a team so, and I know Kenny's the same way with Julio. He's he's a pretty big Julio guy, and
0: we don't take this as no disrespect to Kyle Wright because we love Julio. <laughs> yeah, I love Julio Tehran. Julio Tehran's one of my favorite Braves of all time. So. Me too. <laughs> hey, I'm not gonna hate on that man at all. Um, Kyle Wright. He's another guy. You look at him, you're like, holy crap, this dude's an alien. He's 27 years old. He's six foot four, 215 pounds, and he's untouchable. It's uh. A lot of good things we could say about Kyle Wright and um you know I could sit here and just beat this horse all night long and talk about the positives but I'm going to give one negative aspect about Kyle Wright's game. Um don't know what it is about him. He's a right-handed pitcher. Don't I, I don't quite know why it's like this. But when you look at the split numbers for Kyle Wright, he is just about identical with a 230 opponent batting average against righties and a 234 against lefties. So he's not giving up pretty much any more hits to lefties than he is righties. But he walks left-handed batters at a much higher rate than he walks right-handed batters. And he gives up the long ball significantly more to left-handed batters. I just mentioned it with 234, 230 opponent batting average. 19 walks last year against righties, 34 against lefties. Six home runs against righties last year, 13 against lefties. And the innings pitch were 94 compared to 86. So you're pretty consistent there. Um I know obviously the righty lefty matchup is is a lot easier to hit as an MLB or as a, a batter regardless of what level you're at but in the MLB these guys you know you see the pitch coming in better but when you look at the numbers and you, you I don't want to say you write that off but you do write it off to an extent because he's not getting hit you know for average any better by lefties than he is righties he's just getting hit harder so I don't know if his pitches are just a little bit easier to see a little bit easier to piece up but um even with that being said, it just seems like he struggles to find the strike zone a little bit more against lefties, and I wonder if that is because he has had less success against lefties. Maybe he's a little bit more selective about pitch location when he's facing left-handed batters. am not 100% sure what that is, but that's the only discrepancy in Kyle Wright's game that I can see, um, and like I just mentioned, 234 opponent batting average against lefties. Um 34 walks and 94 innings and 13 home runs and 94 innings. I'm not sitting here complaining about those numbers because I'll take them every single day and twice on Sunday. But um, if you're going to give any negative aspect to his game, there is a little bit of a discrepancy in his split there. No, he's, he's, like I said earlier, he's he's
1: kind of like Kyle Wright is not an ace. He's a guy that you are perfectly fine pitching in a playoff game. He, he will keep you competitive for sure. There's no doubt about it. But he does have flaws. Um, he is a fantastic pitcher. I don't want anybody to take any disrespect like from Kyle Wright. He he could have been a side, like a guy to get like top twenty Cy Young votes last year. Um, but he, I don't, I don't think his potential is ever going to take him much past than what we just saw this past year. He just doesn't really have the stuff to be. He's got a, that can throw everything plus the back door at you. Like he throws almost every damn pitch. Everything he throws seems like it moves one way or another. But you know he he is what he is, man. I but I, again I don't want to say no disrespect. It feels weird to like talk down about Kyle Wright because he's so damn good. But whenever you have Max Freed and Spencer Stratton at the top of your rotation, you got some tough guys around you. And, uh, man, this kid's still young. A lot of potential. Obviously, he was a top draft pick out of college. Um, yeah, can't wait to watch Kyle Wright. And that guy takes number four right here. And this is a guy that has a lot of question marks going into this season. Charlie Morton. Um, Braves fans love Charlie Morton. MLB fans love Charlie Morton. Any baseball fan loves Charlie Morton. But the question is, is age finally catching up to him, man? Last year was a bad, bad year for Charlie Morton. Long ball hit him. Throwing that damn curveball and hitting lefties on the front foot. Good God, man. Can you find a way not to do that? Charlie Morton could not find anything to go right for him last year. It seemed like throughout the whole entire season. Every, like, four starts, he'd go out there and throw seven innings and strike out 11 guys, give up a run. You'd be like, oh, my God, Charlie Morton is back. And then the next down, he gives up four runs in five innings. You're like, oh, never mind. Um, Still, a guy that keeps you competitive in every ball game. There's no question about it. He's not going to go out there and get lit up. That never happens. Um, But, man, if we can get the Charlie Morton back that we used to have, um, a little 3 ERA right around there, um, he's always going to hit 200 strikeouts. He could have a 4.5 ERA and still strike out 200. Guys, strikeout ball is still there. Crazy, crazy curveball. We all know that. Still throws with good velocity, 95, 96 miles per hour. Um, Has a couple different pitches that can move a good bit. Hit those slider, I believe. Um, Yeah, the big question mark about um, Charlie Morton this year is – the age catching up to him and see if he can get back to his younger self. Which younger self, I mean 38 year old self and not 39 year old self.
0: Yeah, just just two years ago, not one year ago. Yes, now
1: now we're clearing things up.
0: No, dude, I love Charlie Morton. Um, obviously, we bring him back, give him a buttload of cash. Um, had a lot of people raising their eyeballs trying to figure out what's going on here, but um, yeah, last year was kind of an outlier season for Charlie Morton, and unfortunately. You have the stigma with a guy like Charlie Morton. Like, let's clear one thing up. He's 39 years old. If he was 29 years old and he had the season he had last year, we wouldn't talk about it at all.
1: No, not at all.
0: Just a, down Just a down year. Just a down year. Yeah, but he's 39, so we have to ask his age catching up to him. Um, so we're going to ask it. And you look at his splits last year. Uh, in, innings pitch between the two are absolutely identical. Um, average allowed. From both lefties and righties, was sitting right around 230, which is good. Um, Last year, the the thing that really got him was the long ball, those hanging curves, and the walks, man. Got to get the walks down. Um, But you look at his numbers as a whole, we're being super judgmental over this guy. um, Just because we had, I don't want to sound like some cheesy fifth grader football coach, man. But I'm going to here. Um, We just kind of expect excellence on yeah. this brave statement we do and uh, we, do. we do we have been contending for a world championship for a long long time we finally get one we want another we want 10 more in a row no question we don't want a gap we want to dominate we want to beat everybody and win 130 games that's what we want to do as we should and uh as we should absolutely we're brace fans we're diehard brace fans so you bring in a guy like charlie morton On a big one-year deal like we did after a season like last year, it has a lot of people raising their eyebrows. But what we have to sit back and remind ourselves is that this guy is the fourth pitcher in this starting rotation. Yeah, and (laughs) and and if you're getting Charlie Morton level production in the fourth spot of your pitching rotation on a World Championship caliber team, you got to be happy with it, man. You got to be happy with it. If you're not, you're just you're living a miserable life.
1: Yeah, most teams would love to have him as the three. If not a two in their rotation. And we are Don't blessed to have that. him as a back end guy in the rotation. Um, and also let's not forget last year he was coming off of an offseason where he had broke his leg as a 37-year-old starting pitcher. So give him a full offseason, man. He'll he'll be back. You watch him pitch, there's nothing that looks different. Dude still throws 96, curveball still breaks a ton. You know, just little things, man. Things that you like, it ain't like he came out there and was throwing 91 and you're like, oh my god, it's Charlie Morton done. Like, no, he was still the same pitcher we've always seen from Charlie Morton. Incredible shape. Um, the body to be a pitcher, six foot five, you know, super slim, which is a good thing for pitchers. Um, just hurl, like, slings the ball across the zone, man. Um, he'll be back. I, I, the closer we get to the season, the more confident I get with him. Um, Uncle Charlie's awesome, man. Not a Hall of but, Favor, but a Hall of Very Damn Good.
0: <laughs> I like that. Put that on a t shirt. Hit hey, it.
1: <laughs> all right, Orlando Brown.
0: <laughs> Put it on an
1: effing t shirt. T shirt. Um, Separates to five right here. And this is where things are going to get controversial. This is the one that Kenny asked me to repeat backwards so we can see who's going to pick at five. And, oh, man, now I'm here and I'm in the moment. I don't know if I'm going to pick the right answer. But I'm going to go with the fun one. I'm going to go Michael Soroka, um, formerly known as Mike. Formerly known as Mike, now known as Michael. Um, said this spring training, he wants to go by Michael now. I guess he's getting a little change of scenery. He tore two Achilles as Mike. Hopefully he doesn't tear any as Michael. <laughs> But I don't know. Okay. Hold up. That might have been a little controversial. Sorry, guys. Um, we love you, Mike. Michael. Um, yeah, dude. This dude right here. Please, Mike. I'm going to call Mike. I don't care. It, it doesn't feel normal saying Michael. We're um, friends. Yeah. Michael is Harris. Um, Mike is Soroka. Uh, <laughs> yeah, come on, Mike. Please, please, please just stay healthy, man. Two freak injuries in such a young career. This guy was Max Freed before Max Freed. Um, this guy was an all-star. This guy was a top 10 starting pitcher in baseball at such a young age. It's crazy to think that Mike Soroka is 25 years old. That does not seem real. This guy is 25 years old, has made an all-star team, has put up a season with a 2.68 ERA. Um, this guy has done a lot to be so young. Tore two Achilles. If he can get anything, this is another of those guys, I'm gonna look back at like Kirby Yates. And Kirby Yates is a little bit different because Kirby Yates is in his 30s. If Mike Sorokin can give us 60% of what he was before, he is an absolutely fine fifth starter in any rotation. Um, This is a guy, last time we saw him pitch, doesn't throw hard. This is a guy that attacks the strike zone, does not walk people, throws the sinker, throws... Everybody was giving him comps to Greg Maddox. He might hit 94, 95, not your guy that hits the upper 90s. Um... His corners, that's what Mike Soroka's game is, and he is so much fun to watch. That's what I'm just going to ask you. As a Braves fan, man, even if you go out there and you put up an absolute stinker, every Braves fan in the world is rooting for you and wants to see you back on a major league mound. That, that's all I'm going to say. I'm, I, I'm not going to give Mike Soroka no judgment. 25-year-old kid tours the twice. I just want to see him on the mound at least one more time. Like just, just, just hop him out there, please.
0: If You're an avid sports fan like we are. You hear what I'm about to say all the time and it's a comparison or a a way to compare players that we use so heavily especially around draft time nfl drafts coming up and it's talking about your ceiling and your floor what is a player's ceiling which is the highest possible level of their game that they could get to and what is the floor and any time we're having this debate. or are having this question in our minds with a guy like Mr. Michael Soroka. And you know that his ceiling is a top ten pitcher in Major League Baseball. Let the kid play, man. Yeah. Let him go. If he's healthy, let him go. I am so excited to see Mike Soroka. For multiple reasons. Number one is because he was an incredible pitcher. Incredible. we never seen anything like it at, what was he? He was like 21, 22 when he did what he did. Yes, like, that's yes. absurd, dude. That's absolutely ridiculous. And then number two, because I'm a human being and I want to see this dude's recovery arc. Mm-hmm. I want to see him get back. I don't wish him any ill will because he's had ridiculous fluke injuries. for Exactly. I mean, just... Crazy non contact injuries. I want, as, as a human being, I want to see this guy come out and succeed because he's worked so hard to get where he's at and he's had to fight through all this adversity. But as a baseball fan, as a fan of a team that should compete for a world championship, I look at this guy's ceiling and I see where he could be and where he has been in the past and really his only opportunity that he, his fair opportunity that he got as an MLB starter. And, um, I think you do whatever you can do to get this guy back on the field. And that's what I want to see as a fan. And um, I love Mike Soroka. We all love Mike Soroka. Nobody hates Mike Soroka. Um, And I hope, man, that he can come out here and he can get back close to what he was. He's still so young that if this is a multi-year development process for him, he's got plenty of time. Whether it's in a Braves jersey or not in the future, man, this guy's got plenty of time to get his stuff right, get back to where he was. But uh, what better time to start than 2023?
1: I'm going to tell you this. Over the past two seasons, we have watched the absolute emergence of Austin Raleigh as one of the best power hitters in the game of baseball. Super young, you know, getting his career started. He is four months older than Mike Soroko, And Mike Sirocco has see? torn his Achilles twice, was an all-star in Major League Baseball, was a top 10 pitcher among everybody in Major League Baseball at some point. Guys, Kyle Wright is 27, and he just made his big impact at the big leagues the rocket, like the sky's the limit. Now that I'm talking about it, the more crazy it is in my head to think about it. Like if, if this was some young prospect coming up right now, you wouldn't even be like shocked by his age. Like I don't know how old Bryce Elder is, but I'm assuming it's probably somewhere around this. Like I don't think it would be much different. He was a college guy out of Texas. Um, I believe Bryce Elder is 23. Um, Yeah, he's 23. So two year age difference. But we're talking about a guy through two Achilles. Like, this guy is so young and so much talent. It's not an arm injury, guys. Like, hopefully he can get on the field and can pitch. I had to put him at five. I don't know. Did you agree with me on that, Kenny? Was, was Mike Soroki your five? Absolutely. Love it. Six is also going to be controversial to me. I, I think this could get a little bit shaky right here because there's two guys I'm looking at who I could put six. And, uh, obviously, the fifth starting the fifth starting spot is up in question right now. Um, AA has talked about it a couple times. There's four guys he listed. We're going to talk about the other three next next three guys um and uh so really the door is wide open I think it's really a competition between three I think the fourth guy's not really in there but <laughs> um this is a really really hard answer right here I think all three of these guys do have a legitimate shot including Mike Soroka and the other two that are coming up next um it feel disrespectful not to say Ian so I'm gonna say Ian Anderson um yeah, too. this is a guy we've seen had so much success man came up Lit the world on fire his first year. Second year, absolutely solid. Like a 3.5 ERA as like a full-time starting pitcher in the big leagues. Postseason hero. One of the best postseason pitchers we've ever seen in Major League Baseball history. Um last year, absolute stinker man. Strikeouts were down, walks were up, long ball was up. Dude struggled hard. I will say this batting average on balls in play was very, very up. Dude gave up a lot of loud contact, though. So I don't really know if that's if he was really getting into bad luck. Or people were just breaking the ball off of him. I think that was more the case. Um, yeah. and the, the biggest problem with that is, man, I think he just has to figure out a way to develop a third pitch a little bit more. Um, he has a sweet changeup, everybody knows that It's kind of his like saving grace is his filthy changeup. Um throws a you know a mid 90s fastball, 94-95 type guy. He does throw a curve, but the only problem is his curve and his changeup don't look much different. I don't know how a hitter looks, but whenever you're watching it on TV, they look relatively similar he doesn't have anything that has any type of horizontal break which does suck because I feel like that would be something that would really put him to the next level but everybody's already talked about it his arm angle dude pitches straight up his arm is directly above his head nearly impossible to get any type of horizontal break on any pitch at that level so um but yeah I, I think the biggest thing with with uh Ian Anderson is just the success we've seen from the past it makes you feel like there has to be something still there and the youth man I think the kid's only 24 years old so Again, another guy you can't quite give up on yet, especially with the success he's already had at the major league level at such a young age. But man, it's just at this point with me, it is. If he gets an opportunity in this rotation, he damn sure better make the most of it because it might be his last with how loaded this is, like with how loaded this rotation is. I mean, there's nine guys that are fully, fully, fully comparable of being a starting pitcher, maybe more whenever you get into like Darius Vines and, you know. Jared Schuster, the guys that are, you know, up and coming still. So, man, Ian Anderson. Hold Allard. Hold Well, Well, nah, I was going to name him a little bit later. He's one of the four. Oh, <laughs> my bad. No, it's okay. I think we all know he's the last one out of the guys that we think have a, a legit shot. He was the guy. He's on my list, too. For sure last, but he's on my list. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Um. Ian Anderson. Think the world of him, man. Love the kid. Um. Just hope for the best for him, man. And if he doesn't have any success here, honestly, just as a Braves fan, I hope he goes elsewhere, finds a place with uh, some success. Hopefully we can use him as a trade deadline thing. Not only for our own success, but, man, he's a kid you've got to root for. And just the door is not so much open here in Atlanta.
0: So I love Ian Anderson. I've always loved Ian Anderson. Uh, I like him as a person. I like him as a pitcher. One thing that was pretty crazy to me last year is that even having the weird year that he had, he dominated lefties. As a right-handed pitcher, which is crazy, um, two eleven opponent batting average, two home runs, nineteen earned runs and in fifty-seven innings. Um, you know, did give up some walks, but then you look at him versus righties, a righty pitcher against a righty batters. Fifty-four innings pitched, a three thirteen opponents batting average, forty-eight strikeouts, forty-three earned runs, mm. compared to nineteen earned runs with three more innings against lefties, which is crazy from a right-handed pitcher. But I wonder if, and it's something that we've heard about in the past, and Jake just mentioned it, with the arm angle, with him coming straight down. I'm just thinking, maybe I'm overthinking this, but I'm just thinking as a batter standing in the batter's box, if I'm a left-handed batter and I'm looking to my right at a right-handed pitcher that's throwing directly by his ear hole with his right arm, That pitch might be a little harder to see come out of his hands than somebody who throws maybe three-quarter arm that I can catch the ball a little bit earlier as a left-handed batter when i got to look at the other side of this guy's body versus when I'm a right-handed batter and I see the ball coming straight at me. I agree. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. I don't know, but that's a huge discrepancy in his game from last year. Um, But like Jacob mentioned, this dude has been so solid, specifically in the postseason has been ridiculously dominant in the postseason, which is crazy. Uh, Coming off a 3.58 ERA season, which is astounding. Don't get me wrong, especially a guy that we're talking about being so deep in the starting rotation. 3.58 is nuts. Um, And then last year with it being kind of an anomaly year. It's just unfortunate for Ian Anderson because of a couple things. Number one, he's 24. And number two, because the starting rotation is nuts right now. And there's so much competition out there at the bottom end, too, to where if you struggle, you don't really – your leash isn't super long. No. Not with guys like Bryce Elder, guys like Mike Soroka, guys like Colby Aller breathing down your neck that are Mm -hmm. itching to get an opportunity. These are guys that want to resurrect or jumpstart or just start their MLB career. Like, they have all the motivation in the world. And um, a guy like Ian Anderson that's been there, seen that, done that, um, I just don't think his leash is incredibly long and that's super unfortunate for him. But one thing you got to, you, you got to take into account as well with uh, pitching and the MLB is injuries. Oh, they're yeah. going to happen. They're inevitable. Um, whether they're huge or just a little arm inflammation, the guy needs to, you know, chill out for a week or two. Um, I feel so good about what we've got down here on the bottom end of our potential starting rotation with these five, six, seven guys Um, that, If there's a situation where, you know, let's say Mike Soroka comes in, gets a hold on that fifth spot. He's been really, really good. And, um, you know, Chuck is is hanging out there at four. He's been really, really good. Maybe those guys flip-flop, whatever. But those are your five starters. And then somebody needs some time off. You bring in a guy like Ian Anderson. I mean, what a blessing as a baseball team to have a guy like Ian Anderson that you can just throw in there. Like, you feel pretty good about that. Yeah, yeah. So I I like Ian Anderson, man. Um he he's got some stuff he's gotta figure out for sure. Um and he is very open and honest and will admit that, which yeah. is you know, big testament to him. He knows he's got some stuff he needs to figure out. That's why they sent him down to AAA A to to do that. And um, you know, he's got a full off season behind him. He said it in spring training. Maybe he comes out here and is, you know, absolutely incredible. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I agree. Um it, it's so funny to think about just the start of last season. Going into the season, we had three guys that were penciled in as locks in the rotation. Guys that you knew were going to be there for the full season. And that was Max Fried, Charlie Morton, and Ian Anderson. A guy that yep. you absolutely knew was going to make an impact. It just didn't happen. You also talk about you know, how, how he struggled you know, pretty bad against righties and had success against lefties. Um, the arm angle. I'm going to say the reason I think that is, is because when I watch Ian Anderson pitch, he has a hard time attacking that left side of the plate. And yeah, with the changeup you throw, you're trying to get guys on early. Um, if you throw a changeup to the right side of the plate down and away from left-handed hitters and they swing early, that's light contact. They're not going to hit the ball hard off of you. Now, if you throw it low inside to a righty and they turn on it, they're going to launch that ball. Um, So I I, I think with that arm angle, like you said, I I think he also has a hard time hitting, like reaching that left side of the strike zone. Um, If he could just figure out a way to tune it up, which I'm sure he has, man. There's a full off season of baseball. That's the good thing about baseball, man. Baseball is a very mechanically inclined sport. A lot of things can change. Um, we're seeing guys change. They sh- I saw a video the other day on Twitter Shohei Otani's wind up from you know his rookie season to now. It's almost completely different. Like it, it guys change their stuff even if you're having success. And it would not surprise me one bit if Ian Anderson's another of those guys that can figure that out. Um, and that takes us down to number seven. <laughs> and it's crazy that we're saying this name at number seven because I think this guy would be an absolute amazing fourth starter, fifth starter, maybe even a third starter in some rotations. Um, Bryce Elder. Man, I love this kid. Um, you know, a, a country boy out of Texas. Big, strong guy. Kind of reminds me of what we thought Bryce Wilson was going to be. Um, but now we got the elder version of him. <laughs> um, not going to light the world on fire by any means. Not really your, your prototypical strikeout guy. He did have like a crazy 11 strikeout game against Miami at one point in the season. Last year, we got to see him a little bit late on, later on in the year whenever we are kind of just giving guys days off. It was against, you know, Miami and that Washington team that's absolutely terrible crazy success man this guy was going out there just pitching gems against these teams and uh like i said not really your flashiest guy probably has the upside of about a third third starter fourth starter at like the highest but damn he's he's a damn sure would be a good one a guy that's gonna pitch consistent not really gonna lose you games and this was a guy early on in the season i don't know if you remember if you remember this or not remember his first like two or three starts like real early in the season before strider came up he was awesome and then he Nicholas. slowly fell off um <laughs> Then he yeah. came back later on in the season and showed he could do it again. So, this is a Hello, guy.
0: Vaughn. Vaughn Grissom.
1: This is my sleeper to take that fifth spot. It would not surprise me one bit if Bryce Utter takes that fifth spot. Um, obviously, spring training is going to have a lot to do with this. You're going to see a lot of stuff. And obviously, don't pay attention, too much attention to the box scores. If you can catch the games live and kind of see how they're looking on the mound. A guy can go out there and have a 16 ERA and still get the job. It just
0: depends how they look. So,
1: I'm excited exactly. about them.
0: I love Bryce Elder. This is a guy that I'm super high on. I've been super high on him. Um, You talk about Bryce Elder, man. 23 years old. He's got all the upside in the world. The limited time that we've seen him, I mean, what did he start last? Pitched 105 innings last year. Is that right? No, that's in AAA. He pitched, uh, I'm looking at the wrong thing, 54 innings last year. 3.17 ERA from this dude. Um, He's not a big power pitcher. Um, Like Jake just mentioned, he's not just going to come out there and strike everybody out, but he's a guy that comes out there, he can find the strike zone. He throws great pitches. He's got a good pitch mix. He's incredibly young. Like, this is everything that you want to see from a developmental player. Um, My only thing with Bryce Elder is that uh, I wonder if we're almost a little bit more comfortable waiting with him. No, I agree. Not me. Not not me. I mean, I'm ready to see him tomorrow. But, uh, you know, the organization as a whole. Because we've – unfortunately – Part of baseball is the business aspect of things. We got a lot of decisions that are gonna have to be made in the next couple of years. And um depending on which avenue we decide to go, obviously we're gonna lose Charlie. Um Mike Soroka is a big one because uh he you know was coming up on on some stuff here that uh unfortunately didn't play out the way he wanted to or the way we wanted to because we didn't get to see much game from him these past few years with those mm-hmm. crazy injuries. So we got a lot of guys that you really need to see what you're going to get from them now to determine what you're going to do in the future because you know Bryce Elder is going to be there.
1: Mm-hmm. Max Fried, potentially uh, a free agent in
0: two seasons. Right, exactly. Um, a lot of decisions to be made. Obviously, we, we, we lock up a couple of our guys like Spencer Strider, which is huge. But um, I think that's the only thing working against Bryce Elder because his game is crazy.
1: Yeah, um, dude. Another thing is his walks. Um, almost a four walk per nine last year. That's not really his type of game that we saw in the minor leagues um and to put up a 3.17 era as the type of pitcher he is with those type of walk numbers is is pretty crazy um because he's more of your contact guy and obviously pitchers that rely on contact don't need to walk people because that kind of kills you like um you you allow base runners then you know three bloops and that runners in unless you you know you can't allow base runners like that so he can figure out the walk problem man he's he's gonna be absolutely fine at the major league level i think i think he's ready right now like i said Right now, I think he could be a fourth or fifth starter on a majority of teams in baseball. So, I agree. But I, I do see what you're saying. I do think the waiting thing is there. Um, the one thing about baseball, though, everybody always talks about that clock. Once you call a guy up, that clock starts. Um, there, yep, that, that, absolutely. That free agency's coming. I mean, you know, those years of control slowly dwindle down once you call that guy up once. So right. that, that's also something to pay attention to. Um,
0: so, something to look at for sure. I mean, it's a, I think it's definitely a factor.
1: That's come you always see these guys. Everybody's like, hey man, you know, this team sucks, man. How come they don't bring up their top prospect right now? Um, it's a lot more strategic than just that, guys. Like, you know, if, if you want to build around somebody and you are already in a situation where you suck, they're still playing legit baseball games where they're at right now. Like you're still playing legit baseball games down to triple A against professional players. Like <laughs> your developmental your development is not gonna be, you know, too much improved going to the major leagues. Oh, it's a, it's different than a lot of people think. Yes. Um, and that takes us to number number uh wait, number eight? Number eight, right? Yeah, yeah eight. Yeah. And that's Colby Allard. Uh a kid that was a For former sure. first, first, uh first round draft pick by the Braves. Same draft class as Mike and Austin Riley. Guy was drafted above both of them guys. And a guy that everybody thought so highly on. A guy that had a lot of back issues coming out of high school. I think that's what kind of dropped him down the draft board a little bit. was gonna be a top five pick in that draft. Um and man, the velocity just never was there guy throws 91 and I think that's his killer. Um never okay, really found know. that velocity after having those injuries. Um what did Texas did, you know, was in their rotation for, you know, two or three years there. Um never had great success. Um still a young guy though. Like I said, same draft class as Mike Soroka and Austin Riley. Was at high school, was a prep arm at that time. So he's probably around the 25 year old range. I don't have his age pulled up right in front of me. But um again, man, young guy. Um a guy that you're perfectly comfortable with if he has to start two or three games in the season. Um a guy I don't expect to really make a push for that for that fist spot. He's going to be a guy that's probably going to be chill, chilling down there in AAA just waiting for a call, emergency thing. I do fully expect him to start a game for the Atlanta Braves. Um, baseball is a funky sport. You can always look at your major league team and look at your main 26 guys in your roster. But, okay, this is my team for the full year. That's never how it works, guys. You're going to get plenty of randomness. Last year, Travis DeMerrit was a hero for two weeks, and he's not even on this team anymore. So, um, And nobody expected it going into the year that he was going to be a hero. So, just prep yourself, guys. Um, but no, no bad feelings towards Kobe. Allard. This is nothing disrespectful to him. Because um, I do think that, you know, again, he could probably start in a couple rotations in the major leagues. I mean, we saw him last year with Texas starting in their rotation. So, hey, I'm uh, rooting for the guy. Hopefully, he can have success down in AAA and, you know, find something.
0: I don't know if you've ever looked back at Colby Allard's box score stats dated back to 2018. When uh when he was a Brave, but it is one of the more hilarious things you'll ever see in your life. He threw He threw seven innings in twenty eighteen for the Braves. Um set in seven innings. Four walks, three home runs, eleven earned runs, nineteen hits, three strikeouts.
1: Ah, oh, the old rebuilding Braves.
0: Like that that's that's hilarious, man. Especially when you look at what he's been able to do over the past few years in his career to where he's never really been an amazing player, but certainly better than that. Key um,
1: thing, think- don't develop your players in the major leagues. That's the learning point right there.
0: Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, A.K.A.
1: Mike fulton A.K. A.K.A. Sean Newcomb. Been <laughs> quite a oh, couple gosh. cases in, in Braves history of why that does not work out. Confidence
0: is a big, big, big thing in baseball. Yeah, that's faulty, man. Oh, that still hurts. Uh, Atlanta
1: legend, though, we'd love him.
0: Oh, um, I think the thing with Colby Allard is hes twenty-five years old. Um, it's ridiculous that he's this young. Feels like he's thirty-seven. Yes. Um, he is twenty-five and uh, has got plenty of baseball ahead of him. He just needs to figure his crap out and get back in here and play some good ball. And um, what a better team to do it with than the Atlanta Braves?
1: Exactly. What well, there's not a better team. Um, Kenny, I am going to kind of dive in a little bit deep here. I think we need to separate these though. I think we need to do pictures one episode and maybe next episode really? position players because I forgot how long we like to talk about Braves. Um, guys, it's been a while. Uh, obviously Georgia was here, but we kind of have to cover them week by week. Um, and the Falcons, I, I know we dug into them a little bit. But we never had like really in deep, like, I think when it comes to like love for rosters and like just like the movement of an organization, I think the Braves are probably top of both of our categories. Like, are just talk about guys individually, like one by one. I think for Absolutely. both of us, the Braves are definitely one. Like, for U- UGA, I love Chris Smith, but I'm not going to go on a 15 minute rant about Chris Smith. But we damn sure will go on a 15
0: minute rant about Colby Allen. <laughs> Dude, I I'll talk. I'm going to talk for 20 minutes next episode about Jordan Luplow. Exactly, Don't
1: worry about it. Exactly. But before. We get out of here. Um, we'll save catchers, infielders, and outfielders for next episode. Um, let's talk about a couple of these guys in the minor leagues. A couple sleepers right here. Um, I, I don't want to just cut it off right away because there are a couple guys that are possibilities, and I'm going to mention two guys. Um, I don't. I don't know if they're going to make impacts this year.
0: Some guys, just were... pitchers or position players too.
1: Two guys, uh, pitchers. Just, just starting pitchers. Okay. Guys that can make that could possibly make an impact. I don't think so, but I will say one of them was getting votes to uh for the two early rookie of the year winners in the National League. Um and I'm gonna save him for last. I'm gonna start off with Darius Vines. Um Darius Vines, guy does not really throw super hard, guy that has had really, really good success in this Brave farm system. Older guy. I think Darius Vines is around 25 20, 24 25 years old. He's been drafted three times, finally stuck with the Braves after going to Southern California or something like that, I think. Um yeah just another one of those guys that just you know throws strikes um doesn't really throw particularly hard has some really good off speed stuff um throws a, quite a few pitches kind of seems like you're more like old reliable type pitcher not really the guy that's going to come in and light the world on fire but a guy that you know if you call him up and he comes out and pitches six innings and gives up two runs you're like okay i, I mean i'm I'm not super surprised by it right like you're not like he I mean, he's not going to win no awards but i mean he, he's he has the potential to be, you know, a, a pretty good back end of the uh, you know, back end of the rotation type guy.
0: Yeah. Um, you said starting pitchers. I have a reliever that I want to talk about. Can I throw that in here? Yeah, throw the reliever in. Why not? I love Brooks Wilson.
1: Oh, yeah. Brooks Wilson's a stud. There's no doubt about it.
0: I love Brooks Wilson. I think he's okay. Um, last I saw, he was day-to-day with his elbow injury. Don't know where he's at with the recovery process, but I'm assuming he's gonna be available to start the year.
1: I think so. I think I he guess.
0: Is. I'm not sure. I I just saw day to day. Usually that means you're you're getting pretty close. Um why haven't we seen this guy?
1: That is a very, very good question. Because this is a guy that has had nothing but success. Um looking at it though, Kenny, uh, he did not pitch in twenty. He did not pitch in 2022. I believe he had Tommy John. So that's probably a pretty key reason. Um But you're right. Last time we saw him pitch, he was in Gwinnett um throwing fantastic ball. Um keep your eyes on him. I, I agree with you 100 percent Dude has insane what? stuff.
0: why did it take him so long to get the Oh, the COVID year.
1: COVID year, yep. Um They
0: didn't play. I didn't think he's about 26,
1: that. um, He's, he's, he got drafted. He, he made his minor league debut in 18. So that was what? That was five years ago. So he'd been 21. He was probably college. I, I don't know much about him draft wise. I'm assuming at that point you had to be a college guy. Um, so he's probably drafted out of college three years in. Then obviously, COVID year, Tommy John, he's
0: kind of delayed a little bit. Yeah, he is. So uh, we, we took him in the seventh round. Um, but yeah, dude. Um, so he's pitched uh, rookie ball and single A 2018. Um, advanced single A in 2019 and then double A and triple A in 2021. He's posted in about 200 innings pitched, 1.45 ERA, 1 ERA, 2.47, 2.45 and 1.5 every time we've seen him. Um Brix Wilson, this dude is 62 205 and uh feed me every bit of brooks wilson dude i've been ready to see this guy i completely forgot about the covid year man completely forgot about that when i'm looking at this because it took him he played uh all of 2018 and 19 in single a and in 2021 made the jump to triple a and was amazing leading up into the tommy john injury he did not play in twenty twenty, so I am just gonna go on a limb and say that if he had, we will have we would have already seen him.
1: Yes, yes, for sure. Um, and he's he's a guy you are gonna see. He, he's gonna be in this bullpen at some point this year. Again, bullpens yep. are weird. Um, at any given time, you could have three different guys go down on the IL stint and have some random guys pop up in the bullpen. We kind of saw that last year with uh, Mister Who was Freddie Tarnick. Um, he got to you know kind of get a little show. Now, currently employed by the um Oakland Athletics, I believe. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I agree with you. Brooks Wilson is a guy to keep your eye on electric stuff back into the bullpen type guy. If he can get to the next level. Um, but that takes me to my starter. And this is a guy I figured you'd be really excited to talk about. Cause I know this is one of your points right here. Um, and that is none other than our number one prospect in the organization by MLB.com. Jared Schuster, um, Jared Schuster, young guy. Um, was a college draft pick out of Wake Forest. I want to say, don't quote me on that. Um. Another guy kind of like Ian, changeup guy, guy that has, you know, people say his changeup might be the best pitch in the entire organization. Um, Did come up, pitched, you know, AAA last year, made his his jump to AAA, Um, and only, what was it, how many games he started? Nine AAA starts, he had a 4.25 ERA, struck out 39 people in 48 innings, he's not really a big strikeout guy at all, that's not really his game. Just more, again, more of your type, uh, consistent type pitcher guy. Um, I think we might do a little prospect episode at some point, kind of giving our, you know, top five prospects piece. Yep. I'm going to give a little breakdown of mine, a, go, a little foreshadowing. He's not my number one prospect in the organization. Um, I don't think he has the upside for a number one. I do think that his floor is still very high. I will say that. I think he has a floor of like at least a five starter. I don't think he has crazy bust potential at all. I just think his ceiling is more a three starter than what a lot of people thought whenever he first got drafted. is more of like a one starter. So... Um, or a two-starter. I think he's more of like your three or four type guy if he meets his potential. Um, But yeah, yeah he's definitely a guy that could, you know, make a jump to this Braves rotation. If, and I'm going to say this now, if Jared Schuster starts a game this year, that means some things have went wrong for the Braves, um, aka injuries. Um, I agree with that. But, like we mentioned it, we're talking about your 10th, you know, ninth, 10th guys right here with Darius Vines and Jared Schuster. So... <laughs> <laughs> another good situation to be in guys I people hate so the Braves farm system but dude it's, i mean there's guys down there that that can make an impact at the major league level right
0: now so i love jared schuster um I, I like jared schuster a lot you talk about his changeup people are saying his changeup might be the best pitch in the entire organization which is nuts to think about um biggest complaint that or not complaint critique of jared schuster that i've seen Um, in the minors in his time in Atlanta has been um, not a big difference in that changeup and curveball from him. Um, It's been one of the most common things I've seen is uh, he's a three-pitch mix guy. Throws a really, really good – he's like 93-94 four-seamer, which is solid for a changeup pitcher. Um, So you're 93-94 on the four-seam, and then you throw a pretty similar changeup curve. A lot of people are saying that three-pitch mix is kind of looking like a two, and uh, that's kind of limited him a little bit so curious to see, man, because we're starting to get to the point to where it's about that time. You know, we watch this guy go from, you know, single to double, from double to triple and have really, you know, solid success at every level. There's been some hiccups for the most part, but, you know, he's been good. And he's um, it, kind of getting to that point now to where an appearance is inevitable at some point. Um, and like you just mentioned, it was something going wrong, maybe a couple injuries. You never know when you're going to see this guy. I think a lot – not a lot of people would have expected to see uh, uh, Freddie Tarnock last year, and uh, there he was. So uh, I, I think there's there's definitely situations out there to where you could see an appearance from Mr. Schuster here. So um, I'm curious to see if, with all of those factors coming into play, if he's had a chance to really sit down with a full offseason and work on that pitch mix, separate those pitches, bring something else something else into his game. Because with this, the straight talent that he has with the pitches that he has right now, I mean, if you develop that a little bit, maybe add, you know, just a little bit more to that, you know, to your repertoire or whatever. Um, this is a guy, man. I I just like Schuster a lot. I'm super biased towards him. I don't know why, but I'm a fan of the pick. I've been a fan of him ever since. I've been following him, and I really, really like Jared Schuster. So, um, pulling for him.
1: Yeah, I've had my prospects in the past. Kenny, I will give you this. If Jarrett Schuster goes absolutely bonkers in the major league level, you he is 100 percent yours. Um yeah. you have been on that man for a while. So props to you, man. I'm rooting for him. Um, like you said, sky's the limit with him. Um, top-tier prospect, top end guy. Like you said, man, it it this is the awkward situation of all minor league pitches, especially when you have those college guys. Um, you start hitting the 24, 25-year-old range, you're kind of like, ah, like, okay, okay, and now we're yeah. starting to kind of Starting to kind of get to that point where you got to start coming up, um, and he's there. Um, again, the only thing is though, doors got to open up somewhere. Um, you mentioned earlier, guys like Chuck leaving, um, retiring. Um, you know, Ian's a question mark. That fist spots a question mark, and you know, something we don't never want to talk about. We don't really have to worry about for two more seasons, but you know, the, the Max Fried situation is there. Um, it's kind of like certainly is there. Kind of like whenever you gotta pay like a bill, and it's like a month later, and you're like, "Damn, I do gotta pay it." Or like Christmas is like three months, three months, and you're kind of like, "Damn, do I really want to spend this money on Christmas right now?" Uh, it's, I mean, it's there. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Like it, it's not just gonna disappear. Like you have like your, your, you know, Valentine's Day. That's a that's a key one for men out there. Damn, it's here. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta do something. <laughs> really want to pre-order in M- will be the show yeah, exactly. flowers <laughs> exactly that's the situation we run into <laughs> damn man it felt so damn good talking about praise baseball again though next episode is i have a feeling it's gonna be even more fun um a lot yeah. a lot of things going on and you know the pitchers i'm not gonna speculate on too much on who makes the roster and who doesn't make the roster especially with the bullpen like i i don't know there's Damn, twelve guys down there, and we're about to see spring training. Some of Jesse Chavez is a non-roster invitee; he's not on the forty-man roster. Like, I have no idea. Nick Anderson could be cut by the time the season starts. Um, Position players, we have a lot better feel for. A lot better feel for who's going to be making that roster and who's battling to make the roster. So, some dogs. It's going to be exciting. Um, We're going to speculate a little bit bit on how Brian Sticker is going to construct this roster. Obviously, there's kind of some questions on how many he's going to keep at certain positions. Some, you know, guys he's going to try to keep up. Um. Yeah, Swiss man. Swiss Army knives. Swiss Army knives. We love those guys in Atlanta. Um. But yeah, it's gonna be so much fun, man. Um. I'm. I'm gonna hit my closing thoughts right here, guys. Braves baseball's here. Um. And you know, if you're tuning in right now, um. Keep on checking in on us, man. Whenever Braves baseball really starts hitting, and we really start hitting like the summer months, feel like this is when the podcast heats up. That's whenever me and Kenny first started this podcast was, you know, last summer, and uh. Yeah, I really do feel like we kind of get our best content coming around baseball season, that off-season football, baby. That's when we really start rolling. Um, but yeah, just thank y'all so much for listening. Keep on tuning in to us. Listen to us on YouTube or watching us on YouTube. Check us out. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Peach State Tailgate. Um, Podcast people, y'all do the same thing on YouTube. Peach State Tailgate. Um, Yeah, just thank y'all so much. Kenny, torches in your hands. Finish it off.
0: All right, thank y'all so much for checking us out. We appreciate y'all for sticking it out with this 35 episodes. It's crazy. I didn't even think we were at 35 before this thing. I was talking to Jake. I was like, where are we? 33? He was like, nope. <laughs> I was like, okay. And uh, here we are. So uh, baseball season is approaching. So be sure to give us a follow. Check us out on all the socials. Hop on YouTube. Give us a subscription there and check it out. Come in here. See the see the. The faces of the boys talking. See the graphics. I'm sure we'll have some stuff up here for you guys to look at come baseball season. A little bit closer to it. But, uh, yeah, man. I mean, big episode tonight. Love talking about the Braves. And uh, we're going to have even more Braves talk uh, next episode. Because I'm probably not going to have a Super Bowl to talk about to lead that episode off. So Thanks. (laughs) But uh, thank you all so much for listening, man. Keep tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Oh, yeah.